You're listening to the Bride Chilla Podcast, helping bride chillas and groom chillas plan their wedding minus the bullshit. One podcast at a time with your host, Alicia McCormack. Bride chillers and groom chillers, welcome to the Bride Chiller Podcast. This is a podcast that will help you get through the wedding planning process, remaining calm, partially sane, and hopefully enjoying all of these new experiences along the way. One of the most popular topics of conversation in our Facebook group, the Bride Chiller Community, is wedding photography and videography. It's a very big subject and uh, I am very happy to welcome back today Kevin Elizabeth from Kevin Elizabeth Photography who you would have heard in episode 310 and uh, Kevin was on talking all about how to find your wedding photographer especially when you have literally endless options. If you Google wedding photographer there are freaking millions of them. Kevin welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me back. Oh my gosh, it's such a pleasure. I had such a lovely time speaking with you last time and you gave so many truth and value bombs, my head exploded. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) Well, it is such a topic, it's such a huge topic and I think people find it really overwhelming and as we spoke about in the last episode and I think people should absolutely go back, episode 310, if you missed what I said before, (laughs) you know, you really did explain the process and also talked a lot about finding your the sort of style of photography and how it, it can be quite hard to sort of hone in on what works for people. So I really think people, I'm really encouraging people to go back and listen if they haven't heard that episode before. Did you get good feedback from that episode? I did. I really did. It, and it was a great episode. And, um, you know, I think it's, it's just a really great starting place for couples who are entering the realm of photography and just kind of don't know where to start. So lots of good things. Well, I'm excited because today we're going to continue the conversation. So I know last time we ended going, oh my gosh, we've still got so much to say. <laughs> and, and we've been talking a little bit in email about some of the, the topics. And I know we might dance quite around uh, what we're going to talk about today. But the one theme I think it would be great to touch on is it's just feeling comfortable in front of the camera because this is not something that a lot of people uh, might have experience in besides taking some selfies <laughs> and uh, using the iPhone. A professional photo shoot is a really new experience for many people and I think it's great that you have offered up this um, topic today because I think it will be very relevant and also being such an experienced photographer, you, I'm sure you have lots of tips about how to loosen up without me being creepy. <laughs> And uh, and make sure that you're enjoying the process and not being, you know, scared by the photog. Yes. So <laughs> I've said many gross things already in this episode. <laughs> um, so we're, firstly, let, if people haven't had the pleasure of listening to 310 episode, could you give me a little bit of background uh, and also uh, tell me a little bit about your style of photography before we kick into to feeling comfortable? Sure. So I'm Kevin Elizabeth. I own Kevin Elizabeth Photography. It's an international wedding photography business based in San Diego. And I'm also the author of A Bride's Guide to a Picture Perfect Wedding, which talks all about how brides and grooms can really work with their photographer and make certain plans in order to have their version of a perfect wedding and what is going to be kind of the wedding of their own dreams. Um, and then I also am a 
I hate to use the word YouTuber because I don't have a billion subscribers, but I do also (laughs) put out weekly videos with tips for brides and grooms. And I'm also documenting my own wedding planning process at the moment. So I feel like all this stuff is very relevant personally to me right now. Yeah. Oh my gosh. We will link back to all of your videos in the show (laughs) notes today. I can't wait to watch them. I didn't know you were doing that. What am I? Yeah. Why am I missing out on this? Yeah, it's a fun little thing. Um, I had started it a couple years ago and was really great about it. And then things just got so busy and kind of like pushed it off to the side. But I've been ramping it back up this year. So definitely growing a nice little collection of videos. Oh, that's fantastic. And well, look, I mean, I I will look forward to watching. And I really love that you're also going through this process because I think that, um, you know, when you are in the heat of wedding planning and and obviously having the experience you've had shooting so many weddings uh, over Mm -hmm. the years, it, it must be a sort of weird thing to be on the other side, really. It's definitely strange. And I think there's things that especially being a vendor make it more easy for me. But then there's also things that make it harder or just being on the other side, I have to learn to give up control and trust the people I've hired, which is advice I give my couples. So it's just definitely (laughs) a different process, but I think it's helping me be a better photographer by experiencing the things that brides and grooms experience that sometimes are kind of irritating. So I definitely think that I am learning certain things that I would not have learned had I not been going through this process of my own right now. See, that's so interesting that that that's helping. Of course, it's helping your business, but also being able to experience that and go, oh, I hadn't thought of it from that perspective. That must be yes. a real, like the best market research ever. <laughs> yes. It's pretty good. It's eye-opening. <laughs> what are, before we, I, I want to talk about the stuff we're going to talk about, but you know me, I go off on a tangent and then I'm like, I want to know more. What are some of the things that you're noticing that you're like, oh man, that's different to what I thought it would be? Oh boy. Well, one <laughs> is definitely email communication. I oh. am myself and very type A, I usually get back to people within 24 hours, unless it's a weekend or holiday. And I had always heard from my brides, oh, you're so great about email. And I'm like, am I really? Is everybody not like this? And Mm. they're like, no, like these people wouldn't answer our emails or they took, you know, a week and a half to get back and they didn't have an autoresponder. And so I've definitely been experiencing that and having to wait a really long time, what I consider to be forever, to get emails back from prospective vendors or even vendors they've already booked. Some are good, but some it's just like, oh, like I know what you're doing right now. I know you can email me back. So it's definitely something that I found a little frustrating. But on the flip side, I think that being in this industry, I've really gotten to know a lot of people quite well. So I knew who I could trust to hire for my day and know that they're going to create something really beautiful and fun for me. So it definitely comes with pros and cons. Totally. And I'm sure you've been collecting those people over the years going, oh, I remember yes. you. I'll be back for you. <laughs> yes. And I the love- people that I wasn't going to hire. <laughs> yes, I won't be seeing you again professionally. No. <laughs> you don't reply to my emails. It's so interesting you say that because, you know, I read over and over again people saying, what's the, what's the appropriate amount of time before I can send a second email going, hi, do you want to do business with me or not? Because it right. is – it is strange because people are, and I get that people send multiple emails to vendors they're never going to work with. And, you know, that's part of the business, I suppose. You would receive emails from people and then you might not hear from them again or they might book you straight away. But mm-hmm. that's just the gig, isn't it? That people will write to inquire and then want to know Ghost more. You. 
and then ghost you. Exactly. Yeah. That Very happens modern. a lot. Um, brides and grooms, please respond back to the photographer because um, I just want to go on this like little tangent. Um, so if go a it. bride or groom inquires with me, it's almost always a bride. Um, and I get the email. I respond pretty much right away if I'm in the office. And so many times I don't hear back probably is because I give them my starting prices. It probably scares a lot of people off. But for me, if I don't hear back from a bride, I have it in my checklist to follow up Mm. after a couple of days if I don't hear back. And then I have another one to follow up. So if brides aren't interested or whatever it may be, if they don't intend on moving forward at all with a photographer or any vendor, it's really nice to just send them a note back and be like, hey, um, thanks so much for getting back to me. I'm so sorry. But Unfortunately, it's not going to work with our budget or whatever it may be so that they can close out your inquiry and not be spending a lot of time, you know, emailing you back and everything. So yeah. it don't ghost people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, just don't ghost people in general, really. Yeah. I, it's funny. I work in TV and I work in casting and it's really funny that you get involved with people and you sort of, you talk to a lot of people who are interested in being on the telly. And it's really surprising how this has become a thing that you, you sort of create a relationship with them and then they just fuck off and you're like, yeah. what did I do to you? I just want to, and then it's also like, I'm fine if you fuck off, but I just want to know what happened. Right. You're not dead. I hope you're not dead. And then uh, it's just something that I think personally I've, I feel guilty about not even just sending a really quick one-liner going, sorry, it's not going to work or the dates right. don't work or you're too expensive or it's just not a right fit. That's all you need to do. But I, I'm constantly surprised and maybe it's the modern days where people have the phones and they haven't got a – they can text and just block people or whatever. <laughs> but it always makes me go, oh, come on, give me something. <laughs> yes. So that was my rant. That was my rant. <laughs> I'm glad you feel the same way. <laughs> oh, it really frustrates me. It's just also just manners. But, you know, I yes. think a lot of vendors, and I'm glad that you've pointed it out, a lot of vendors perhaps need a little kick up the bot bot about, as you said, autoresponders or I've just received your email. They can do this mm-hmm. within Outlook. It takes two right. seconds. And yes. a lot of people don't do it and it makes people shitty because they don't ever hear back from them or they're six weeks later. I'm not perfect with email. I will say that, but no one's paying me money to run their weddings. So, uh, you know, right. That's, that is, I'm trying to get better. I'm really trying to get better, Kevin. Um, now let's talk a little bit about photography and, okay. uh, what, what we can do to make people feel more comfortable. And I know this is, this is something you've written a lot about. This is something you work with every week. You've got a wedding yesterday and today. You're a machine and you're taking the time <laughs> to talk with me. But uh, let's go through some of your tips on on working with a photographer and then also, well, finding the right photographer, I suppose, is the first step that we talked about last episode. But then also getting comfortable with someone and, and feeling comfortable in front of the camera, especially if it's not something you've done before, which is probably a majority of our listeners. Yes, I would say whenever I have a couple get on the phone with me for consultation, almost always the bride will tell me that she or her significant other is not comfortable in front of the camera. So I hear that all the time. That's very common. And it makes sense because most of the time people have not been professionally photographed, you know, or at least not more than once or twice. Mm. So it's just not something they're used to. And I think that a lot of this does come from you know, they say things like, I don't photograph that well. And I say, well, it's probably because you have never been given direction by a professional. So if some friends are taking your pictures, they're not going to tell you, you know, to straighten up your posture a little bit or to do this or do that. So I think 
people, there's hope. <laughs> there's definitely hope. <laughs> and also, also, I think that quote, like, I, I don't photograph well. And it's like, oh, man, you, you want to start this positively. You want to go in. And I know it's easy, easy said than done. And they're like, Alicia, you're always so positive and optimistic. But the idea that, you know, you want to find someone that's going to make you feel fabulous because you're going to be right. feeling fabulous on your wedding day. So I think that's the big step of also finding someone that communicates that to you. Do you, do you think like a photographer that's already going, we're going to do a really great job? <laughs> yeah, I think so. You know, it's, it's great to really be encouraging. And I know personally direction and posing and getting them to portray real emotions. That's something that I am really skilled at and something I've put a lot of time into. So I always try to reassure my couples like, Hey, look, I'm going to guide you through every step of the way. I'm going to make sure you look fantastic. And of all the couples who've said they don't photograph well, or that they're not comfortable in front of the camera, the photos come out and they look amazing. So I've never had anybody actually photograph poorly. And the only people that have not photographed amazingly on the wedding day are people that just don't smile ever and they look sad all day. So that's oh, no. pretty much it. <laughs> Maybe they're marrying the wrong person. Oh gosh, who knows? <laughs> more deeper than we can deal with right now on this podcast. I feel so yes, that's for another day. Yeah. <laughs> a psychology wow. episode. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, we've got a few of those. Um, okay. So, so you, you have this conversation and they say, Oh, I don't know if I photograph one. I don't really feel confident in front of the camera. So what, how, how do you work with people and in the lead up to the wedding to make them feel comfortable and really ready to rock the socks off their wedding photography? Sure. So I think one of the foundations of success for getting a couple to feel comfortable in front of the camera is trust and just getting to know the photographer. And one thing I will say, because I don't think a lot of people realize this, is that it is extremely helpful if you have the same photographer for your engagement photos and your wedding photos. Because yes. if you choose different people on that wedding day, your wedding photographer might work in a very different way. You're not used to it. It takes a lot more time time to get comfortable with them. But if you've already had the engagement session with that same person, you know them, you know their tricks, you know, if they ask you to do something that seems really weird and bizarre, that it's going to turn out beautifully. Like <laughs> yesterday, I had my couple in front of some bathrooms, but it was like the prettiest bathroom setup, and you can't tell it's a bathroom, but I'm like, look, just go with me. And they're like, oh yeah, we trust you. So it's just all about trust, I think is the foundation of feeling comfortable because if you don't trust the photographer, you're going to be anxious about how you're going to look, how the photos are going to turn out. And I think when you can be trusting, you're at ease and you're just more relaxed and comfortable. I've had some um, over the years, with, especially with stand-up comedy, you know, you get a new lot of headshots every year. And this is different from wedding photography, but you sort of get to know the way that, you know, comedians talk to comedians and they're like, he's a good photographer, they take great shots. And I've had some really weird and fabulous headshot experiences. <laughs> And, you know, it's just until you're in the moment and this is more studio stuff and they're asking you to do stupid poses, which I always resented because I'm like, you know <laughs> what, I don't. And there's an episode of 30 Rock actually that totally highlights this. I'll try and find a link to some of the, for the show notes, a little um clip of it, but it's when Jenna and um, uh, bloody Tina Fey go along and they have a photo shoot and Tina's like, oh my gosh, never do, never use props. As soon as they start doing like, props you're in big trouble and you watch this evolution of this quite sensible photo shoot just turn into them just you know 
basically <laughs> like jerking off a fake chicken and it's like it's like terrible but it's like I've been there I've seen when they're like just hold this and you're like I don't want to hold this I know what you're doing <laughs> or just lean forward with the quirky look on your face um oh god but it is that moment of going, oh, how far do I go? I want to trust you, but I don't know if I should trust you. And sometimes those experiences I've had have worked out really well, but it's also the photographer um, making you feel comfortable in the moment as well. Like you said, stand in front of the bathrooms, just trust me, it's going to be great. Uh, yep. Is you know, And they obviously went, we know this chick's got it. She knows what she's doing. So I feel like it comes back to trust as well with just from the very get-go, isn't it? Just going, I'm in their hands. I'm paying them some good money. Let's do a good yes. job. Yes. It's so important to trust whoever you hire wholeheartedly. And sometimes if I have a prospective client who is giving me little red flags that I know that they're not going to trust me. And so it's going to be the situation where I'm never going to be able to please them. Then I even turn those clients away and it's really, really rare. But for me, it is so important that my clients feel 100% confident about their decisions to book me because it just sets the tone for the rest of the experience together and, and makes yeah. them really feel like they can get to know me. Like we can kind of become friends before the wedding day. And that's really my goal relationship level to hit because it just makes everything so much nicer and more pleasant on the wedding day. Oh, totally. Um, now, Kevin, I want to talk to you after the break a little bit about posing and about how to feel comfortable in a situation where you might be giving instructions about physically how to move the body and also about posture and little things mm -hmm. that I know you've talked about a lot in your book about how you can, uh, you know, make small changes that make really big changes in photographs. Uh, that is after the break because this is the Bride Chiller podcast and we've got some very important, very valuable sponsorship messages uh, from our partners and if you listen and enjoy and support, I'll be very happy. More after this. We are talking all about photography with the lovely Kevin Elizabeth, who is back. She was in episode 310, and this episode we are talking about how to feel more comfortable in front of the camera, how to feel uh, more self-assured, and to work with a photographer who you really dig and they dig you to make sure that you get the best wedding photographer, get the best wedding photographs humanly possible. Um, Kevin, tell me a little bit about posing, because I think a lot of people would assume posing sounds a bit Australian term here, wanky, uh, feeling mm -hmm. like they might feel uncomfortable that they're walking down a catwalk or something. But that's not what you're talking about, is it? Correct. No, I like to tell people posing is not a dirty word. It's actually a fabulous thing. And we're not talking cheesy, stiff, old school 80s prom posing. We're talking posing <laughs> that looks organic and natural. So what I really love to do for my couples is give them a lot of direction. So I'll say, okay, like Joe and Sally, go ahead and stand up facing each other. Uh, Joe, put your hands around Sally's waist at different heights and really hug her in nice and close and Sally, put your left hand here. And, and then I just kind of encourage real emotion and real connection in between. But I find that the more direction I give, my clients aren't turned off by it. They love it because if I just set them up and say, hey, face each other and leave it at that, they're like, um, do my hands look okay? What's happening? Like, do my hips look big? <laughs> and so it's if you just set them up in one pose and be quiet and just say, oh, that's great. That's great. That's great. Like, it's not always the most helpful. And I can speak from personal experience when I have had my own photos taken for various reasons. I have had some people who set me up in a pose, but 
tell me nothing more than that. And the whole time I'm trying to just mentally pose myself, but I don't know if I look the way I want to look. So I think it's really important to be open to direction because it just lets you feel at ease because you're not wondering, am I doing this right? Yeah. Oh my gosh, what to do with your hands is the most complicated <laughs> question. Because when you start thinking about your hands, you're like, where do they go? How do I, what's the way I hold my hands normally? It's, it freaks me out when I start thinking about where my arms and hands are supposed to be. <laughs> yes, it's a tough one. <laughs> How do my hands normally look normally? I don't know. I've never thinking about it before. Panic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just sit on them. Just don't pretend you haven't got any hands. You're hand free, literally. Keep rid of them. <laughs> okay, so. Thinking about about posing and you've got a nice communication going with your clients, so you're, you're giving them instructions as well. Tell me a little bit more about um, working with families and getting big groups together because I know that's something a lot of people are like, uh, you know, pose photography. I know we talked last episode about whether you want more um, documentary style photography or you're looking for straight setups and some people do both. But mm-hmm. talk to me about working with big groups and posing big groups because that that must be a challenging part of your job. It definitely can be. And if I typically have more than eight people, 10 people, I'm not going to put them all in a line because it just gets really long and awkward. So I personally will utilize stairs or I'll bring in some chairs, have some people sitting. I'll give the sitting people different instructions for how to just be in the photo compared to the standing people. So that's something that I think a more experienced photographer is going to have the know-how and confidence to do. Mm. Um, Now, I'm not saying that lining up 20 people all in the same row is a bad thing. I just have evolved from that. And I find that it looks better to kind of bring everybody more intimately and closer together and have the chairs. But I also really love connections. So one thing I'll do is I'll have mom's hand kind of around the bride's arms or um, a couple holding hands, something like that to show the connection between people. And I find that that's really important for any groups because it brings them together and it, it really makes them look like they're there together as a family and not as strangers. Yeah, it is. It's so true because sometimes you see people all lined up and they're like, and it looks all, I think people can look quite <laughs> uncomfortable. Not always, yes. but you know, you see them they're all just like, and everyone just line up in a row. Whoever lines up in a row like that in real life, never, uh, unless you're in some sort of police lineup. I don't know. Maybe that's your scene, but I, yeah, it doesn't, it's just not that natural. It's quite a strange thing. So I'm glad you mentioned about levels. That's a really good suggestion. Yeah, it's definitely super, super helpful. It not only looks better visually, but it just kind of brings the composition in tighter. And I think it's something that, you know, as I've been doing this more and more over the years is, is super helpful for me. And now I can do it pretty quickly. But I will say that as a photographer, it's not only my job to make sure the bride and groom look their best. It's my job to also make sure that anybody else that I'm posing throughout the day looks great. So I have a lot of people's mothers, for example, who don't feel very confident about the way they look. And I tell them, don't worry, I'm going to take good care of you. I'm going to make sure that you don't look funky. So just go with it. <laughs> You're always the best friend with the mama. I like that. Just getting yes. the mums and the mother-in-laws and you are sweet. It helps. I can feel happy and confident. Um, What I wanted to talk with you about is makeup and hair. And Mm -hmm. I think this is something that a lot of bride chillers will not struggle with is probably a bit firm, but the idea that there's an assumption and a presumption that people are going to go through some sort of bizarro magical transformation, especially if you're not one that wears a lot of uh, makeup in the everyday, it can be quite 
challenging for some people to go through and go, I'm having a trial. I don't really know if this is going to look good. I want to look like myself. Um, I know you sort of mentioned this last episode and I'd like to go a little I'd let you go a bit deeper, <laughs> creepy again, um, about your opinions on hair and makeup and especially makeup, I suppose, and finding mm-hmm. a look that photographs well because I think that's something people underestimate as well about how much makeup you may need and, yes. you know, not looking like a witchy woman but also still having, uh, you know, appropriate makeup on so you don't look shiny or washed out. Yes. It's very important. I tell all of my couples and anybody who will listen that hiring a professional Mm -hmm. hair and makeup team for your engagement and wedding photos makes a huge difference, not only in your confidence, but also the way it photographs. So I will just say not all hair and makeup artists are created equal. Some do work (laughs) that doesn't photograph very well because either they aren't covered up properly or because the hair falls or there's a billion bobby pins showing that, no, I will not Photoshop out of the photos. Oh, my God. And I have had that request. Oh, stop it. Please. Look, yes. photographers are geniuses, but they haven't got fucking time to, to no. Photoshop out four million bobby pins. Oh. No, I, I can't be liable for the mistakes of other vendors Good. unless you want to pay me to retouch them because it takes forever. So oh. I will say, find somebody who does a good job. Ask your photographer. I think they, more than anybody, understand what it looks like because they're staring at skin and hair in photos all day long. So yes. I have a select number of people I refer out because I know every time that they do a job, they're going to do it to perfection. So I think it's just a great thing to get a recommendation. And also to your point about some people don't wear that much makeup or they feel like, Oh my God, this is crazy. I will say that makeup in person looks heavier than in pictures. So you kind of need more in person to get it to show up on camera, which is so weird, but it's very true. I'm so glad you have just given me the biggest golden ticket ever because for the last <laughs> three and a half years, I've been banging on about asking photographers for makeup artists recommendations and people come to me and go, is that true though? Do they really? And I'm like, yes, I promise you just ask a photographer because they will tell you who's shit and who's not, or they'll have you a li- have a list. So thank you. Yes. <laughs> I feel really smug. I'm so glad you mentioned it though, because well, actually, here's a question: Secret Squirrel, when you meet people and things aren't done well, do you find Mm -hmm. those vendors and write them down, or you keep them in a special little black book inside your brain? I have the black book in my brain, and (laughs) I never forget. (laughs) (laughs) She never forgets. I, I really am. I'm so pro using your established vendors to then find other vendors because I think you see each other all the time. You would have a good relationship with people but also know who are the dicks. Yeah, absolutely. I know who is not very nice. I know who doesn't really do that great of a job or whose job doesn't hold up through the eight to 10 hour wedding day. So it's definitely, and I will never talk bad about a vendor. If I had a bride say, Hey, I'm thinking about hiring this person. And I think that person does not do a good job. I'll say, Oh, like actually I have these other people who I think would be a really great fit for you. And if she decides to go with the original person, it's out of my hands, but I tried without being rude about the original person. Of course, of course. And I think that's very professional view and I'm an admirable as well. And look, I mean, people have different choices and people have different ideas of what 
they find valuable and you mm-hmm. know, but I do think you know using using the experience of your other vendors is just such a great way to save time and also just know you're getting something legit because you don't want to be associated with people that aren't doing their jobs properly. No, absolutely not. I mean, I have recently had some pretty bad experiences with certain venues and I honestly will not really work those venues again without having a conversation with a couple. Hey, this venue makes it really hard for me to do my job. Here's what's going on. Like if I'm (laughs) going to do this wedding, you just need to know we need to have a talk with them. So yeah, it's definitely the sort of industry where if you do a really bad job or if you treat someone poorly, people are going to know that and not refer them out. And that's how I feel. I refer people who are really nice to me and nice to my clients and are good at what they do and have work that photographs beautifully. So those are kind of my criteria. It's a great criteria to have. And I think, you know, more vendors should jump on board that a little bit. I think also the honesty, like with that, without, you know, you bashing another vendor, I think that that sort of that diversion to another vendor is a really nice way to do it without, you know, being too brutal. Um, yes. I, <laughs> and I mean, I'm sure if someone's really shit that you'd be, you know. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> we had a vendor, a, a lovely bride chiller graduate uh, recently in the community who said that she had a, a DJ who they'd given a really uh, like a 50 song list of like, he's the ones we really want played. And she had quite s- specific needs about, um, they wanted to play some anniversary songs for their parents who had just had a 50th wedding and her grandparents had a 50th wedding Aww. anniversary and they had special songs all played out. And she said, I really feel disappointed and it's not in my nature to complain about things, but he hadn't played any of the things that we asked uh-huh. and just played his own sort of like hip hop, fucking, you know, whatever music that wasn't their scene at all. And she said it was more like a frat party than a wedding and they complained yeah. numerous times and he ignored. And I had said to her, I, I'd, you know, we had some great responses and I, I had said, you know, there was nothing malicious in complaining and making your, um, opinion be heard when someone hasn't done what they've been asked to do it's not you know you're not leaving a review for the sake of you know it's not like some trip advisor reviews where people are like the paint's slightly chipped one star <laughs> you're yes. like all right get a life you lose it <laughs> But, you know, it, it's not – I think reading reviews and actually – and reading – you can read through people that are bitter or just feel like they've, you know, got an attitude for some reason. Mm-hmm. And then the people that genuinely, com, you know, have complaints and grievances. So do you find the review systems – my long question was, how do you feel about reviews and, and people posting on the knot and all these other places? Are they good for your business or do you think it's – not necessarily something people should read into too much. I think they're fantastic. And I ask every couple I photograph to leave me a review. (laughs) And a lot of people don't like they'll have left me this amazing email about how much they love the photos, but some people just don't get around to it. And it drives me a little nuts. So I always try to make sure that I review people (laughs) that I've worked with, but it's so helpful. And if you are a about to have your wedding, or if you just had your wedding, definitely leave your vendors a review. And I actually just made a YouTube video about which vendors are sort of customary to tip. And at the end, I gave some alternative tip ideas. If you don't have the money, or if you just don't want to give financial tip, then leaving your vendors a review and then referring them to other 
brides and grooms is probably one of the most helpful and kind things you can do to show your appreciation and love for them. Oh my gosh. Quick, let's talk about tips then because that's a great tip on yourself. But I'm an Aussie (laughs) and we've got a bad reputation because in our country, we don't really tip unless someone's really doing an amazing job. Uh, Very Mm -hmm. different system. And I know that Brits and Aussies come to America and we were given a bad name. So we're like, I don't know, what do we do? Uh, I always leave 15% now. I feel like that's generous. I don't know, maybe not. But uh, I get asked all the time about who to tip with vendors and it freaks mm-hmm. me out because I think I'm giving the wrong advice. Do you mind giving us a little highlight? And again, I'll link to your your beautiful video, but could you give us some highlights of who we should be tipping on the day if we're in America or Canada? potentially. Yeah. Um, so I, I'll start off by saying one of the things that I stress in the video, because some people are very anti-tip and that's fine, but I always say it's your wedding unless it's required in the contract, which some catering companies require tips, but most people don't. Unless it's required in the contract, you technically do not have to tip anybody that you don't want to tip. Now, that said, there are, I found really three different categories. The first being vendors that are pretty much always tipped, which tended to be things like hair and makeup artists, unless it's the owner and transportation. So your drivers or anybody who's doing set up. So if there's a rental company that you hired and they have some employees there delivering, setting up, those people typically get tipped. Um, who else? I think that was mostly the highlight. Oh, catering staff is pretty much always tipped. And those were the people that I found that it's very, very customary to tip. Again, if you really don't want to, you don't have to. No one's going to force you. But then the next category was, and this is covering most other vendors, is sort of sometimes tips. So if you feel like they did an amazing job, then you would tip them. So photographers are in this category, videographers, planners, florists, cake artists, um, kind of the creative side of things. And then there were some vendors who were never tipped, which would be like your rental company. So not the delivery people, but just the company itself or your dress alterations, your gown boutique, things like that. So that was kind of what I found upon researching were those kind of three separate categories of always tipped, sometimes tipped, and then never tipped. And how does the tipping work on the day? How are we getting this money to these people? Is it beforehand? Are there envelopes? Who should you advise to do this this sort of transactional work? Yeah, great question. So typically the wedding planner will collect envelopes from the bride and ah. distribute them throughout the day. So that's a really great one. Uh, if it hasn't been the planner, the ways I've received tips, sometimes the couple, but I think it's better to hand it off to like a maid of honor or a sister or brother, even your parent, because then you don't have to worry about it and you don't yep. have to worry about remembering to do it. Um, but I have had some couples who will send me a really beautiful card and a gift or a tip in the mail afterwards. So you can kind of do it whichever way you'd like if you choose to do so. Great. So it's something that it's flexible and malleable with how that that money gets in the hands of those people. Yes. And they obviously you're not paying that if you're just, this is probably a bit of a boring tax question, but you want to give them cash, don't you? Or is it, does it? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 That's better. We're working in cash here, girlfriend. We're working in cash. Again. Yeah. That's my shopping money. <laughs> support it. Support Kevin's shopping habits, please. Yes. We all need to help. I need new shoes. <laughs> 
Don't we all? Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, well, that's very helpful. I'm so glad you're doing these videos. I look forward to sharing. Um, and hopefully you'll be able to do a little show blog for me as well, just highlighting some of these points, especially from your book. If you could share yeah. some excerpts, that'd be great. And we will link back to the YouTube videos that we've mentioned throughout the episode. And, um, oh my gosh, this has been another value packed episode. You just give away <laughs> the goods, lady. I have too much knowledge to share. I know you do, but that's wonderful. And I mean, that I think that shows how much you're passionate about the industry and also how great you are to work with. So let's plug, plug, plug away. If where do you where do you serve? Which areas do you service? Will you travel? I'm sure people yes. are listening, going, "I want this lady. Let's book her." I will travel pretty much anywhere that I am legally allowed to go. Wow! I would say most of my weddings tend to be San Diego, Palm Springs, Orange County, San Francisco, but I oh. this year have done a couple on the East Coast, so no distance is too far. <laughs> Delicious. All those places I love, and I will also travel <laughs> to those places. I have no reason to go to them, but I'm just, you know, if you want an MC, I'll be there. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Have I, have I suggested that before? Probably. Um, that's great. <laughs> That's fabulous. And where should we find you? And uh, also give us a little bit of a background about your beautiful book as well again, because it's so great. And I think people should very much check it out. Yeah. So I'll start with just me in general, and then I'll move on to the book. Please. So you can find me. I think the most fun place to find me is on Instagram. It's just yes. at Cavin Elizabeth, and that is Cavin with a V and not a B. And that's where <laughs> I'm posting daily, really pretty pictures. And then you can also find my website, which is CavinElizabeth.com. My YouTube is Cavin Elizabeth. Pretty much everything is Cavin Elizabeth. It's nice and consistent, so it's easy for you. <laughs> I love that you just said Cabin, not Cabin with a B. That was delightful. She's Kevin. Yes. yes. Yes, I am. You're adorable. Um, and then the book itself is A Bride's Guide to a Picture Perfect Wedding. And it details the steps from how to find a photographer that's right for you through wedding planning itself, things that you can do that will really give your photographer a gold mind of opportunities. And then it goes all the way up to after the wedding, talking about albums and kind of what to do with your photos or suggesting the idea of an anniversary session to kind of keep the photo love going. But it's a book that I really poured my heart and soul into and has a lot of really great, easy to understand, easy to implement uh, instructions for couples who really want to make the most out of their photography and they want to have what their version of a perfect wedding is. And I kind of don't believe in a universal perfect. I believe in an individualized perfect, which my perfect might look hideous to other people. It might have flaws that they think are bad, but to me, it's my perfect. It's what I wanted out of everything that I put together. And even if it has mishaps, it's still my perfect story. So that's pretty much the book and you can find it on Amazon. Again, a bride's guide to a picture perfect wedding. Beautiful. And you, as I'm out, I'm really having trouble with my language <laughs> speaking today because I'm excited. I was going to say you as um, am I, still can't say it, are independent publishers. So I say support independent publishers. That means we do all the hard work ourselves. We've done all the hard yards. We don't have big publishers representing us. Kevin and, Kevin and I really connected over this because we've, uh, we've gone through the self-publishing process and it ain't an easy path, but we didn't. No. <laughs> we've had ups and downs. Which it aged shared. me a couple of years. <laughs> oh my God. I feel like I'm 58 years old and now I'm doing another book because I'm a complete lunatic. Oh gosh. <laughs> I know. Hear the, hear the, oh gosh. Oh, what are we doing with ourselves? 
So, yes, support independent people like us. Um, Kevin, it's so lovely to have you on the show again. And I would love, obviously, to invite you back because I think we can talk so much about this topic. And uh, yes. I'm sure more to explore in the world of wedding photography and beyond. And I want to hear about your wedding planning as well. We didn't even get to touch on that. <laughs> it's when, a journey. <laughs> when are you getting hitched again? April 7th in San Diego. So it's apparently 215 whatever days away, which feels like forever. Well, it'll (laughs) run up quickly and we will talk about that in the very near future. Thank you so much again for being on the show and sharing your knowledge and uh, happy days with your wedding today. She's out shooting. She's going out to do a job. Yes. Thanks again for having me back. Happy days. The Bride Chilla Podcast, telling chair covers to get fucked since 2014. I am so proud to present the Bride Chiller Survival Guide, our very own wedding planning guide that is available now at bridechillerstore.com. From dealing with wedding donors, that's parents who give you money, to ditching obligation guests and meaningless details. So long, garters and bloody gift bags. The Bridechiller Survival Guide will free you of weird stress and the quest for perfection, which, by the way, doesn't exist. Visit bridechillerstore.com to grab your copy and the companion book, The Bridechiller Field Guide. Happy days.